Joining me is Mark, who hopefully is there. What's going on, guys? <laughs> uh, as you guys no have noticed, things have changed uh, pretty dramatically. Uh, I have been hard at work, uh, to say the least. Uh, why is this not showing me? Hold on. I'm checking something. Just a second. There we go. Why is this? Okay. Uh, hold on. I got this, guys. Give me just a second. Uh, okay, I'll have to work on the Discord chat. It should be showing up, but it's not. And that is frustrating because it was yesterday. Uh, anyways, uh, welcome to Generation Orange. Uh, man, <laughs> it's been quite a few weeks, it feels like, since I've last. Sound is kind of low. How about now? Is that better, Jeff? Tell me. If that's any better. Uh, and I am going to work on the Discord chat, getting that in the uh, in the stream itself. But like, uh, Mark can attest, it was there yesterday. I showed him the preview. It was there yesterday. Yeah. And now it doesn't yeah, work, which is just great. Uh, but, Trials uh, and tribulations, man. You know, it, it's all growing pains, uh, having to learn a new system. I'm using... Uh, using a different system than the system that I'm used to using. Uh, and I think there's uh, probably uh, some things to figure out tied to that. Hey, look at that. I got it fixed. Because uh, I'm good like that. Uh, but, guys, uh, you know, I have been teasing that I've been working on stuff. And I hope you guys can see I've been working on stuff. Uh, the long goal here is to turn this into a full-on show uh, dedicated to Houston Dynamo, Houston Soccer, which includes Houston Dash, Houston Dynamo Academies, and Dash Academies as well. Um, and just really uh, be a place that you guys can come, chat, talk, um, interact with, and, and uh, kind of have a place that, that you guys can call home uh, to uh, voice your concerns, but also at the same time to... Um, to, to, to hopefully listen to reasoning when it comes time to do that. Uh, and, uh, you know, we want to be a, 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 um, a one-stop shop for Dynamo Soccer uh, discussion uh, and give, give fans a platform uh, to, to truly join and, and be part of and engage with uh, something more than just a game day uh, type of experience. Um, and, and there are... You know, shows out there right now that are doing a good job. Um, you've got Glenn Davis's uh, Soccer Matters, and then he's got a, and uh, his second Soccer Matters, which air back-to-back days usually. Uh, and uh, you'll notice on the YouTube channel page that I've actually got those linked, uh, or that one linked. Uh, I've got Dynamo Fan TV. Uh, he does a great job uh, and deserves a shout-out for that. He's a, he's a good guy, uh, and uh, even through the uh, struggles of the team this year, he's done 
uh, everything he can to make as many matches as possible and be there um, in full support of the Dynamo. Uh, and also, shout out to the Peel uh, for doing what they do and and uh, being a place that fans can uh, get more Dynamo coverage and and, uh, and you know and, and get some analysis. Um, I think they go a little more in depth than most other other shows would. Uh, but hey, all the more power to them. It's awesome. Uh, but Mark, how are you? And welcome to the show. What's going on, Sean? Thanks for the invite, man. Um, looking forward to this new venture, especially with you. You know, I have, I've had the privilege to get to know you a little bit over the last couple of weeks, maybe last month or so. And um, I'm excited, man. So let's get this going. Uh, definitely can echo your sentiment on excitement. Uh, it's been an exciting last couple of weeks trying to pull, pull all this together, uh, kind of out of the blue uh, in a way. Um, and I want to give a, a very big shout out uh, to our, I'm going to call him our chat producer, <laughs> Discord producer, uh, Callo. Uh, he has helped build up the uh, Generation Orange uh, Discord server. You guys can see the link right there. Nice, short, and easy for you uh, to connect. Uh, and as you guys see, if you join the Discord chat, you can get your chat visible on the actual stream, and that's going to be that way week in, week out. Um, and it's a great place to be able to chat outside of the show as well. So if there's stuff that happens throughout the week, which, let's be fair, hardly anything Dynamo-wise ever happens around a show. It's usually like they're going to do it in an odd hour, at an odd time, whatever. And... Um, and so it gives you guys a way to be able to share that stuff, talk about that stuff, um, and just kind of connect together uh, and have a place that you guys can can uh, talk about Dynamo stuff outside of outside of match day as well. Um, and you know, a huge shout out uh, to Andres and and uh, Dynamo Discord. I don't want that to I don't want this to take away from that for sure, but um, I definitely uh, want you guys to if you're part of Gen Orange, the Discord server, uh, and you feel inclined to do so. Uh, join up with Dynamo Discord. Uh, it's it's grown tremendously in the last couple of years, um, and uh, it's become a home for kind of all Dynamo fans. And at times it gets a little rambunctious, a little rowdy in there. But uh, I think Andres has done a fabulous job uh, administrating that and um, kind of moving it forward. Uh, Jeff says, "Imagine that a show between a Spurs and Arsenal fan calmly putting aside their Premiership teams for Houston soccer coverage." Uh, we won't talk <laughs> about Spurs right now. Um, all I'm going to say is I literally have zero desire to talk any smack related to Arsenal or otherwise. My Spurs just lost to Colchester, a fourth division team in England in the, uh, that wasn't even the FA Cup. That was what, the League's Cup or something like that? The, the Carabao Cup. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah, I made, yeah. yeah that, I think I made a comment earlier in the week about uh, Owen, an Owen Coyle-led Dynamo team could have beat the Stars and stuff this past week. <laughs> oh, so. man. Uh, it was, I mean, not, 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 not to throw salt on the wound, you know, but uh, obviously, you know, as rivals, you know, it's, it's, it's great to see stuff like that. You know, I know we've been had a little bit of a hardship the last couple of years, but, but here we are, you know, trying to grow local soccer, you know, and sure. hopefully get the Dynamo and all this stuff going, you know, and get more passion behind the Dynamo. You know, as much as much love as I got for Arsenal, and I know as much love as you got for Spurs, you know, I think the greater good here is to hopefully get the Houston Dynamo more, more, uh, more fans, more fan interaction. 
uh, more excitement around the, the club and just and just a, a place where we can come and chat about the Dynamo anytime we want to. I mean, sometimes I, I come on here and I check to see what everybody's talking about. And, you know, I don't mind commenting, you know, sometimes I just get on here when I get a little break from work and I see what everybody's commenting and I comment myself. So for sure. No, uh, it's, you know, as much flack as I take for being a Spurs fan, uh, I have to say that, you know, I, I've been pleasantly surprised by how most Arsenal fans, while they'll give me crap, you know, initially, um, they, they start to, you know, they, they realize that I'm not one of those Spurs fans that's going to go and be a total jackass about things. Um, and, and so they tend to back off a little bit. I still get crap, and, and to be fair, I still give crap. But it's not, it, you know, we're, we're all Houston Dynamo family at the end of the day, Houston soccer family at the end of the day. And um, that's kind of, you know, the driving force. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, Jeff makes a good point, but I think I think it shows you that, there is opportunity out there um, for fans of all teams, whether it's you know all teams that are not that are not MLS, uh, to come together and support the Dynamo uh, in in Dash for that matter. And we've seen Sergio, uh, and we've seen <laughs> you know we we've seen the front office uh, lately making a strong push. Um, to expand um, the supportive section, you know, we we had the interview with Diana last uh, last time uh, we had a had an episode uh, with Edson and and uh, you know talked to Diana about it and you know she made a lot of good points uh, related to you know the reasons why you want to expand the section and what kind of the vision and the goal is and, and why that's important and kind of how that's going to work because that's really kind of a big thing too is how do you make this all work uh, you know when you you know, in the past, you've had struggles with getting um, with getting individuals to partake of the supporters section because they don't want to affiliate with one group or the other. Um, and you know, go ahead, Mark. The, yeah, and you know, Sean. I mean, it's anytime you do anything new, I mean, it's always going to be a little bit of a struggle. Just, I mean, you know, with take for example us right now. You know, we got a little bit of a pickup going on but it's all good but like the same thing with the dynamo and just holding the supporters section they're trying to accomplish you know i know they had a lot of a little bit of a bump in the road with um not i guess not taking care of the of the uh customers that had seats in that area and moving them around somewhere else you know and i know and i know that was one of the big issues about the, that supporter section expanding because people have had their seats there since the stadium opened and all this other stuff, you know, blah, 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 you know, and, uh, and understandably so, you know, and maybe the Dino mishandled the, the way they should have taken care of those fans, you know, to move them around or to, you know, help them with the process of picking another seat or maybe giving them some kind of discount or whatever. But all, all in all, change is always needed, you know, and, for the past couple of seasons that that we that we've been there, and all of us have been to multiple Dynamo games, and we've seen that the passion in the stadium has just has been sucked out for for the, for year on top of year on top of year, you know. And, and this past year has been just a, a a complete downer, if I say so myself, you know. And and change is good, honestly, you know. And hopefully, with this new supportive section, everything rolls. Perf I mean, nothing ever rolls perfectly, but hopefully, ever something comes good out of this and there's more passion for the club and more support and just hyper crowds. 
No, I mean, I, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, a little later on today, uh, tonight, uh, around 8 o'clock is the plan, uh, maybe a little earlier. Uh, we are hoping to get on uh, the guys from the new supporters group, The Surge, uh, Jeff uh, Bonilla and Sergio Zelaya. Sergio was in our uh, Discord chat. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're hoping to get those guys on to talk about The Surge, to talk about kind of what their vision is, what their plan is, um, you know, looking forward, that sort of thing. Uh, and so, you know, exciting times for, I think, Dynamo supporters in general, um, you know, exciting times for just, it, it, and it sounds weird, right? We just come off this, this loss that effectively, or no, has 100% ended our season, essentially, because we are completely out of the playoffs. Like, there's no way to make the playoffs. Um, no. But yet... Um, you, you can if you want, Darby. <laughs> Discord chat, voice chat's always open. Uh, Everyone's available. That's right. Uh, <laughs> it's a good thing the uh, gifts don't show up in, uh, in on the stream. That'd be a little awkward. Uh, <laughs> I think I think no, but, Jeff but, just figured that out. Just to uh, just to uh, add on to what you were saying, yeah. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. You know, the LAFSC thing was a little bit of you know downer i mean it's 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 something that we all kind of knew was going to happen right i mean there was a slim chance you know we all love to think that you know uh but the, there's a chance we could still make it we could still make it but you know ultimately we knew that the fate of the team you know for a while now and and you know and luckily you know since the last time the show aired i mean there was four games that have been played and in those four games, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think they've looked really good, really good. I mean, especially in the, in the two wins that they had. And the combination of Ramirez and Mauro is something to look forward to if, you know, Mauro ends up staying or, or, or whatever happens in the offseason or whatever. But, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of positivity, I think, that people are trying to get on for the offseason. So it's one of those things where, yeah, it's, it's sad that, you know, that, yeah, there's no way mathematically that we can make the playoffs anymore. But... And another light, it, it's it's kind of okay. Now we can shut the door on this and start looking ahead to next season. Even though there's still two games left, and you know we still have the responsibility of, you know, putting out a team out there because those two teams are fighting for position, position for the playoffs and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I mean I, I agree with you, and that and you're right. That was essentially the point that I was trying to make related to the fact that. You know, even though we are knocked out of the playoffs, even though this season is effectively over, we still have the opportunity to play spoiler, uh, at least for possibly one match, um, because uh, we can't knock LA Galaxy out. They've secured their playoff spot. Uh, so I think we get to play spoiler against RSL, and that's all that remains. I could be wrong. They probably need, need well, a schedule. Yeah, actually, like, I think with RS, RSL and LA Galaxy, I think they're both already in the playoffs, so whatever happens. Uh, I think it's more their positioning. I mean, gotcha. like, for example, for, gotcha. for, our, for, for RSL, if they, win, if they win tomorrow against the Dynamo, uh, depending on, you know, what the score is, they leapfrog Seattle Sounders and they get the home field advantage on that, that 4-5 matchup, you know. And, you know, home field advantage in a one-game playoff, it's, it means a lot, you know. It does, um, and we got to so, yeah, and we got to remember too that this year is the first year they're using this seven-team playoff format for conference, and uh, that these yep. are now, like you said, these are uh, these are uh, elimination matches now instead of home and home and away series. It's now just a single elimination match. Uh, and, and I don't know about you, I'm really 
not to kind of derail conversation, but I'm really intrigued to see how this plays out in terms of on-pitch performance. Um, I, I'm curious to see if this results in more uh, higher seed, i.e. home teams, um, you know, coming away with the victory. Um, and, and if we see more uh, lower-seeded teams, um, you know, not continue on. Um, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how this goes because um, the home and away has always had its kind of stigma about it that because of the way that the format was, you could kind of sneak into the playoffs and, and you could you could have a bad game at home or, uh, you know, you could hold, hold service at home and then go on the road and, and just pour everything forward because you, you know, and, and pour everything into the attack because you knew that you had to score goals. And, and if you scored more goals in the, in the second leg, you were more likely to advance because just because of the home and, you know, the basically away goal rule, the away goal rule. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I, and I think it's a, it's, it's going to be a better solution for MLS and it's going to be more excitement for the playoffs because like I said, I mean, we, we've seen it uh, numerous times where you think because you're the higher seed, you get, you get the second game of the leg. Right. But, that bottom seed gets the first home game and it, and if they beat you three to one and then you can only beat them one zero at your place, guess who moves, guess who moves forward? The lower seed. Yep. At least now it gets, it gets more incentive throughout the regular season that, Hey, you know what? I need to get these top seeds because before it would be just one of those things like, Hey, we just need to sneak in the playoffs and anything can happen now. Yeah. Anything can still happen, but it's a little tougher. Now the odds are more stacked against the lower seeds to like, Hey, you're not going to make it if you're not going to, if you don't get a home field game, you know, yeah, it's, it's tougher. Yep. And, and, and every state and every stadium is going to be ruckus during the playoffs. I mean, I mean, I, I watched MLS playoffs for a couple numerous of years now and they're always full, you know, for, for, for whatever reason, because it's just, it's a playoff, you know, anytime a city can go try to win a championship, they're going to back their teams. Absolutely. No, I, and well, I mean, we say that, but, you know, I've seen instances in the past where a team that it has, where there's a struggle between ownership and the fans and the team makes the playoffs and they may see a small uptick, but they don't see like that gigantic uptick. And I think that kind well, of, yeah. you know, I, I think you kind of have one of those things too, where usually those teams are the ones that kind of squeak into the playoffs. They're not going to be the ones for um, the ones that are, you know, the ones that are going to do well. Um, not well, sorry. Yeah. They're not going to be the ones that they're not going to be the ones that come in in first place in, in the league. Usually, the first place, second place teams, you know, in terms of conference standings, are going to be the ones that um, you know fans are are you know comfortable with the way the ownership for, you know are, is handling things. Whereas, I think if you look at the teams that are lower in that list, um, you know, there may be some struggles between ownership and fans, and just in different ways over different things. <laughs> You know, and, and I think that points to the fact that, to be totally honest and totally fair, I think winning cures what ails you when it comes to fandom. You know, if you've got a winning team, you know, and, and not a team that just squeaks into the playoffs, but a team that has been consistently good throughout the entire season, you're more likely to be okay with whatever ownership is doing or whatever the front office is doing uh, because you're able to buy into it because it's working. Um, when it no, takes... and the, and the prime... okay. no, and the prime example, I mean – 2017, all the Dynamo signings that happened that year. I mean, and we make this long play playoff run to the Western Conference Finals. Nothing that nobody expected. We all fell in love with the team. I was in that. I was in those. I was in the stadium for all those games and playoffs. And every game was crazy. It was loud. It was fun. It was 
fantastic. And, you know, nobody had anything bad to say about, about, you know, Brenner or, you know, this and that, you know, because the Dynamo were winning, they were winning with, they were winning with flair. They had their, the style of play was, was, was crazy to see was amazing. They were scoring goals. And now, I mean, you know, two years apart from that and, and we want to, and they won a U.S. cup, a U.S. open cup, but still, the way that the team has performed, the way that the, t- the team has digressed, and maybe because the coaching, the voice and the, the 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 coaching voice was monotone, got monotone or whatever or whatever the problem was. Winning cures all. It does, regardless of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it really does. And you know, so okay, we we've talked about all these things, but I think the. You know, the thing that we have to talk about is the last few matches. There's been, I think you said four matches, if I'm not mistaken, Mark, since the last Gen Orange show that you were part of, which was the last one that we had. <laughs> uh, four matches, if I'm not the mistaken. Yeah, the one that you subbed on. Thanks for that, by the way. Um, <laughs> I uh, had to come on. A, I had to come in in halftime, you know, just to. <laughs> Intermission. You know, I, I, I memoed Rodriguez. Did. I, I, I called for a reliever. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, so we've had what four four matches since then, and out of that, we've had. I'll have to look at the record because I genuinely don't know off the top of my head because I've probably blacked most of it out at this point. Um, I'm here for you. There were there were two and two. <laughs> uh, two wins, two losses, or two draws, two losses. Yeah, two two wins, two losses, two wins, two losses. They, it should have, it should have, you know, and the, and the sad thing about it, you know, in that, in that four game span, and well, I, and I'll discount the second half against LAFC, but, uh, but the, but the game against Vancouver where they lost in the, on the last minute goal for, by Freddie Montero, I mean, that's just, that's, that's, that, that play right there is a, is basically the whole, the whole season for the Dynamo. It, it, it's always that, it is. it's always that one little five, that five minute, 10 minute span where it just, everything breaks down and they lose control. You know, it's it's a kind of you know it's a microcosm of the entire season in a nutshell. It really is. And you know, I I watching that match uh, and being in the Dynamo Discord during that match and just talking to people who were who were watching that match. Um, the frustrating part about that match was the fact that a that should have never been a PK. B uh, there there were some calls in that match that were highly questionable at best and watching that and listening to Glenn Davis talk, um, he noted, and and I think this is important for the dynamo to remember for next year, referees have been encouraged towards the end of the season, the last four to six weeks of the season to keep cards in their pockets more frequently because they don't want star players. They don't want players out for the run up to the playoffs, because those are the big name players that need to be part of um, part of the promotions that they do at the end of the season as teams, you know, vie for playoff positioning and things like that. Uh, and they're also the big draws. And to me, and I understand I, that, but I have a problem with that. You're well, now. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like, no, go but ahead. this is, the, but this is Vancouver Dynamo. These are the two top. These are the two bottom league teams in the in the league. Two top you know? teams. Two top teams. No, I'm Freudian pretty, slip. Two coach? bottom teams. Yeah, you're good. Uh, these are the two bottom teams in the league. So I mean, I understand where they were. Maybe they want. Yeah, if they, if we were playing L- LA Galaxy or LAFC and 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 Bella, uh, 
slid, slid into Beasley and hurt him, you know, and, and and you know it's a red, but like you know you can't give him the red because you know about okay, uh, yeah, it sucks, it completely sucks, but this is Vancouver who is the only team below the Dynamo in the conference, well at that time, and. It's crap. I mean, I mean, yeah, I know there's going to be home field advantages. You know, you're going to get called because you're the home team and all that stuff, blah, 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 whatever. But that's, I mean, that the, the, the refs this, these years, these past couple of years, I, I don't know if because I'm so focused on the Dynamo games. You know, I watch other MLS games, but I just feel like the refs just suck, <laughs> you know, for, for lack of a better term, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, that's the thing. I mean, I do totally agree with you on that. It, it's like the quality of officiating has not risen to the quality of the play on the pitch, uh, especially as MLS has improved. The one thing that hasn't really improved year over year has been officiating. And I think the intent was VAR was supposed to help with that. But someone someone said this to me a lot, you know, before VAR was introduced, and, and it, it rings really true right now. It doesn't matter how good VAR is. If the referees that are assigned to watch VAR are the same referees that are already having problems calling it on the pitch to begin with. Like, I mean, you could look at the example with Ray Rooney. You know, I've been, I've been seeing, you know, as of late, you know, he's been, you know, really upset with the referees. I think he got suspended a couple of games or whatever for the fact that he got into the rest or something like that. I'm not too sure. But, you know, Ray Rooney comes from the quote unquote best league in the world in the Premier League. He understands, you know, what 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 these matches means to these teams. You know, these teams are fighting for playoffs and one stupid mistake by a ref or one missed call, whatever, can turn a whole team around. Can turn a whole season around, especially especially this close to the end of the season. You know, when every, when all the teams are so tight knit and points are so close where you're having to look into goal differential or, or, you know, or other tiebreakers to see who's going to get in or who, what positioning this, this team's going to get. Those calls are, those calls are important. And if these refs are not get are not getting moved up in level where they're held more accountable for the mistakes, then I don't know what the league is doing, you know, because it's, it's like, I don't care how many, how much world world talent you bring into MLS if the refereeing sucks, the game sucks. It becomes choppy. It be, it's not as fluid. And, you know, I, I think there's something to keep in mind, too. And I think we saw it in, and this is obviously switching leagues to NWSL for a minute. Uh, but you had the Houston Dash versus uh, North Carolina Courage here in Houston. And there were two particular plays that were very much, were very similar to the Vancouver match and kind of in the same way where on the one end, a PK was called for something that should have not been called, and on the other end, a PK was not called when it should have been called, or at least a foul, if not a yellow or a red card. Um, and, it, you know, my problem is, and this applies to both NWSL and MLS, is you're placing players in harm's way when you're not officiating the game the way that it's meant to be officiated. Because one of two things is going to happen. One, your player that doesn't get called for the foul then feels like they're comfortable enough to make a harder tackle, to go in for a harder challenge, to make a more reckless challenge, because it's likely that the referee is not going to call it any harsher than they've already called it. Number two, the player who's been who's been um, who's been fouled now feels the need to turn around and get retribution 
because they're competitive by nature. There's a reason they are professional athletes because they have that competitive drive. And being fouled in such a way and not having it called properly according to the laws of the game, it is, it, it is, a, it, it is almost an act of disrespect. And so the player, you know, the player mentally, psychologically feels like they have to get revenge for it. You know, they have to get something back for it. Um, you know, we see it in other in other sports where, you know, uh, uh, a uh, basketball player will get a, a, you know, an elbow on one end uh, and the refs don't see it and don't call it. And then on the other end, if he's not the one setting the pick, somebody else is level and the guy that set, you know, that gave the elbow. Um, you know, and, and yes, there is a tit for tat that comes along with being a professional athlete in that in that regards. But if you're not officiating the game properly or effectively, you are setting players up for injuries. You're setting players up for even more egregious, you know, uh, offenses. You're creating an atmosphere where players feel like their only recourse is to take it into their own hands, one way or the other. Um, and, and it's just shameful because it makes. It takes away from what makes soccer the true beautiful game. It makes it less entertaining to watch, in my opinion. I don't go to a soccer match to watch a fistfight break out. This is not hockey. You know, I, I don't go to a soccer match to watch full-on, you know, full-on um, body tackles. WWE. You know, full-on body tackles or, yeah, you know, WWE-style suplexes. I, I don't go to matches to see that. I go to matches to watch players you know, time passes in incredible, you know, at incredible moments and, and, and through balls and, and, you know, defenders stand up and, and, and hold their own, but do it in a way that, you know, a, a, uh, adheres to the laws of the game, you know, and Jeff says it best, it creates a cycle of escalation and it just gets worse and worse until either the referee finally intervenes. And at that point, if both players have created a situation where it's escalated to that point, then at that point, it needs to be both players sent off, or it needs to be both players, you know, penalized for it, and not just one. Um, you know, it just, it, it's not effective the way they're officiating right now. And that, like I said, that goes for both NWSL and MLS. Um, and it creates an environment that, frankly, fans are not enjoying as much because I feel like the officiating just isn't that good. It, it's not. I'm not the only one that yeah. feels that way. There's plenty of people that feel that way. But, you know, I, I definitely agree with you on that. No, for sure. I mean, and one of the things that I totally hate is them letting them running plays, knowing when it's a it's an offside play. It's 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 obvious it's an offside, but you can you let the play continue. But what if somebody gets hurt? You know, yeah. if, if if it's a, if it's if it's a blatant offside, like if if it's you if it's so obvious that me on my television I can see it. You know, I don't need you to stop the frame or, 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 you know, or to go to replay or anything like that. If it's so obvious, you stop the play right there. You don't let it continue because if somebody crosses the ball in and gets, and they go, and they go for headers and let's say two players knock each other out and concuss each other, then what? Yeah, no. And I, I agree with you on that. I, I do have a problem with that. And I wish that they would set a more stringent kind of, you know, if, if, if the player appears to be more than two feet off sides or more than a foot and a half off sides, you know, somewhere right around that, that level where, you know, I feel like at a foot, you're kind of able to tell that they're off sides at a foot, you know, essentially. If, like I said, if it's, if, it's a, it's, if it's visual, if you're visually as the AR able to look across the field and see that player is off sides, then call it. Um, they can always go to VAR and, and, well, they can't overturn an offsides call because then they just give the ball back to the team. But, 
I feel like if it's like I said, if it's if it's obvious enough that I can see it, you know, sitting in the stands from basically the same position the AR is in, and you know, and again, obvious enough that it's not a questionable offsides, then you have to make that call. And I and I agree with you because otherwise that can lead to that can lead to you know hard tackles that can lead to red card situations. Which by the way, in the event of an offsides, if the flag does not go up. And the player is then a player is then fouled, and it is a red card or a penalty kick. Both of those would be wiped off, wiped out, and it would go back to the offsides call, um, which yes. is where it should be originally. But you're also doing something else by waiting. You're also taking time off the clock. It may only be a few seconds, but if you do that ten times in a match, that's almost a full minute. You know. No, but going back to what you're saying about the about, about the you know what, what the actions that happen after. I mean, if if. If defenders want to get smart or want to get dirt, you know, quote unquote dirty, you know, you go after the the, the best attacker and you and you do whatever, you know. I can I can remember, you know, um, who was the guy? Col- uh, the defender Collins. Uh, I forgot his first o- name. Aurelian Collins. Yeah, he was the dirtiest uh, center back in the league for so- how long? And I I remember him with Sporting KC. You know, all the times he would just be so aggressive, you know, and so dirty. I guess quote unquote. You know, but I mean, that's the guy you love to have on your team, but you hate him when he's on the opposite side, right? But if a player like that, say for example, you know, you know, you know, you saw it's offsides, but the play continues. Me as a defender, knowing why, why would I go take a cheap shot? Because I know it's not going to count because they're going to see it's offsides, so they can't count a foul on me if the play doesn't count. Yeah, agreed, one hundred percent. Yes, you know, and so uh, you know, and and. You know, Jeff says by the time the ref intervenes, then the question of fairness comes to play. Since what deserves a red card in the 80th minute, you also assume deserves a red card in the second minute. And and that's something else that I've seen, too. And, and Cisco pointed this out to me probably two years ago. I know he's listening. Hey, Cisco. Uh, but, you know, he said one of the things he's noticed is that when a foul is committed in the box, that same foul is usually not called or given as a PK or even a card. Whereas if it's outside, if it's outside the box, it's called almost every time. And I get why referees feel that they need to do that because if they call a PK for that type of foul in the box, then they they're basically call, determining the game. They're determining the game, you know. But if, on the flip side of it, how many times have we seen referees determine the game by making the calls that they've made? It's like, no, obviously, yeah. You know, it, it's it's this kind of catch twenty two of I'd rather have them almost call the game according to the letter and laws of the game. Maybe not quite being so strict, but at least, you know, reasonably speaking, than to just ignore everything that happens in the box because, oh, I don't want to give a PK or a red card. And yeah, I'm go ahead. Yeah, because I'm, I mean, I and I understand what you're saying. I, I'm not just, you know, talking about MLS. I see this in all the leagues, you know, Absolutely. you know, where, where, you know, the first couple, it's like the 15 minute grace period. Let everybody warm up, run around, you know, whatever, and all that, and all that good stuff. Don't, and don't it's tell all, that, it, don't it, tell that to Kyoto. <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, uh, yeah, but that, that's... no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Go but ahead. you know, there's there's one there's one thing where it's it's you know it's it's hey I'm sliding to get the ball and I hit somebody's ankle and you're swinging their elbow behind somebody's head. You know, it's a it's a complete difference. You know, because there should your your elbows and arms should no should be nowhere near anybody's head at any time of the game. Don't tell that to you know? Moniac because he's been elbowed yeah. in the face thirty times yeah. this yeah. season and has only yeah. had it called like three. That's what I'm saying. So there's, there's, 
there's laws to to the game that are not being followed. Yep. Obviously, you know, and I know sometimes you know, hey, it's it's the first ten minutes, you know, they're 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 getting they're getting their stride, you know, whatever, blah blah blah. But if but if somebody commits a foul in the seventh minute, you you call that foul because. I'd rather you give the PK to the opposing team in the seventh minute where I where I got 83 minutes plus extra time to figure out how to score a goal or, or you know, or come or come back or change my strategy as to where you give somebody a PK in the 87th minute and I only have three minutes plus extra time to figure out how I'm going to come back from this, you know? Yep, yep. No, 100% yes. And, you know, it, I, the, the Dash game, I mean, to, to give an example of – where it should have been, even if it's not a PK, at least a foul, which is in the box, so it should be a PK. But they had a player that was kicked in the face. And, I mean, it was blatant, clear, easy to see, especially from where the referee was, but no call. That's when I have a problem. Look, there are times where the elbow can be concealed or, you know, the hand to the face can be concealed and the AR doesn't see it, whatever. But those need to be the occasions. Now, again, that's NWSL, so they don't have VAR, so they can't go back and look at it and correct it. But on the flip side, I've seen plenty of times that VAR hasn't gone back and looked at stuff. Um, you know, maybe they are, according to people, um, you know, uh, according to people, uh, the the officials that are that are in the in the uh, VAR booth or whatever. You know, they say, well, we we check basically every play. Um, it's just a lot of times those don't get sent down because we don't see enough there to, you know, reasonably overturn it. I think a good example where VAR was actually useful uh, and, and made the call right was the the foul on Lee Wynn by Boney in the match against LAFC, where the original call was PK on the pitch, and then it was determined that the foul occurred outside the box, almost led to a goal, but didn't, thank God. Um, but... <laughs> You know, it was the the foul was brought the 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 PK was remedied back to a free kick outside the box, uh, and the Dynamo did ultimately end up dealing with it. You know, effectively enough to to not surrender a goal as a result of of, of that play. Um, but I mean, you know, we could talk about officiating all day long. I, I think the other yeah. problem, and and this was brought to my attention when VAR was being discussed as coming to MLS, and and it rings true. You know, you only had at that time before VAR was introduced, you only had maybe uh, 20 or, or 17 or 18 full-time uh, referees um, uh, in MLS at, or pro that uh, officiated MLS matches. Uh, no, that could that number's too high. It had to be less than that. I think it was only like 10 to 12 um, that officiate, officiated MLS matches. And then you were going to introduce VAR on top of that, which was going to require an additional official and additional training time for all those officials plus additional officials. So now you require four officials per match, or sorry, five officials per match at minimum, uh, because you need a VAR official on top of all the other officials that are there, your two ARs, your center F, uh, and your fourth official. Um, and, and, and you already had a thin talent pool for refereeing and officiating in terms of quality. And yeah. now you're going to thin it out even more. You're going to, you know, you're, it's going to become an even greater issue because you're creating an opportunity for, um, you know, for, for creating an opportunity for less talent to, to have an opportunity in a big match or to make a big call um, or to not make a big call for that matter. Um, you know, and I think so, we're seeing it play out is there's just a lack of talent in the, in the officiating pool and, Pro is not doing enough 
considering the you know considering the partnerships that they have with U.S. Soccer Federation, um, with MLS, with NWSL, even all the way down to the to the uh, USL levels, um, they're not doing enough to build that referee talent pool up. They're not doing enough with uh, the training process to train officials up to to become pro officials. Um, you know, and, and I think we're seeing the ultimate effect of that and U.S. soccer continues to not want to do anything about it. No, and, you know, I mean, like I said, we can beat, we can beat a dead horse for as long as we want, you know, and it's, unfortunately, you know, we've, we've talked a good, quite a, quite a bit of time on refs, you know, which is kind of sad, you know. <laughs> but, but state of the league, that's kind of where we're at. Like, I mean, compared to everything yeah. else, that's kind of, that has to be the hot topic because, it affects every team. It affects every player at some point or another. It affects every fan. Uh, so Jeff says, uh, Jeff asks, what's up with Kyoto posting that pick with Harden? Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, believe... I, 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 I have my six cents in that. Go ahead. I want to hear mind. your six cents, Mark. Go ahead. So, so like, you know, Harden, Harden is a minority owner, right? He's one of, one of these celebrity owners that have become popular for the last year and a half, you know, with all these teams that all these expansion teams coming up, right? And um, let's be honest, you know, Harden is in season mode right now. He's they're out there, you know, working out with whatever. He must he he probably ran into him, and yeah. he's like, hey, that's one of my players. Hey, you want let's take a pick? Oh yeah, for sure, man. You know. So I mean, you know, honestly, I I don't I don't put too much into it. You know, it's it, it was something that that happened. He's probably there. I'm I'm sure. I'm sure that the Dynamo players have access to go to the Rockets games and go hang out, you know, and go watch practices or whatever. You know, they're right there across the street. They, they're, they're not too far away from each other, you know. So, I, I wouldn't put too much into it. You know, I know, I know people want to, you know, you know, saying trying, trying to get back in good graces. You know, I think what would put him in good graces would, would be something like what uh, Wondolowski did with San Jose's uh, supporter group and go in there and be with the supporter groups. You know, something like that would have been. Hey, get back in our good graces. Um, to be honest, you know, but yeah, I don't. I don't think. I think Kyoto's time in, in Houston is done. I mean, I mean, tell me otherwise, Sean, if you if you think differently. Oh, I mean, I think it, it's very clear that his time was done, pretty much the moment that that Wilmer benched him, uh, and as soon as Davey didn't play him, I think it was pretty clear that that he was kind of done in Houston and. And to be fair, I think he's. I think I think the Dynamo have been looking for a landing place for him to transfer him out. But I also think that they understand because of his off-field issues, if you will, uh, that it's yeah. created it's created an environment where they're not going to get back the money they spent. Now, to be fair, the money they spent on him wasn't all that great. They didn't, you know. Sure, they're paying him a decent salary, but they'll get that recoup, you know, at the end of the year. Technically, anyway. Yeah, I, I, I think he came on a on a free. If, if, I'm, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, he was a free transfer, and, and I feel like they got him as a result of landing Elise first, and then they were yeah. able to enter negotiations with him because Elise, as his friend, was like, "Hey, dude, come on to the Houston Dynamo. That's where I'm going. Let's do this thing." And now he's decided to be Kyoto-ish about it. Yeah. So I mean, like, so bringing the Kyoto thing right now, since we're on that topic, you know, I was listening to. Uh, Albert Elise's interview with Glenn Davis on the show the other day, you know, they interviewed um, Elise on that, on that show. And they asked about, you know, what's up with uh, Kyoto, because I think there was an article, if I'm not mistaken, in, in the Honduria press that he said that he felt that Figueroa and Boniac had turned their backs on him. Yeah. And 
and uh, Albert was the only one, you know, kind of like, you know, still, hey, you know, you can be still my boy or whatever, blah, 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 you know, I guess supporting him or whatever. But it's one of those things where like, hey, man, like if Sean, if I if I see that you did wrong, man, I'm, I'm going to tell you. And if and if you feel a certain type of way because of the way I approached you about it, that's you, man. But if, but wrong is wrong, you know. You know, um, Kyoto's uh, way of dealing with things, whether it's the benching, the the red card, the training separately or whatever, he's gone about it the wrong way with everything, you know. And that's not to mention the off-field issues, you know. I mean, I don't know if a lot of y'all know what his off-field issues are, you know, of, you know, I, I think he had a, a case of, like, sexual harassment or something like that. I'm not too, I'm not too familiar with what happened off the field, but with some a reporter from Honduras or whatever. Yep, revenge porn. Yeah, oh, there you go. Um, that, that's, that's what it was. But, uh, you know, but still, I mean, it's, you're professionals. This is the thing. You're, you, you have a, le- a level that you are abide by. And you, you get paid to be a professional. You know, and yeah, you get benched. Okay, you fight for your place, man. No, this is this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm hoping for. And the next coach, the next manager that comes in for the Dynamo, that I don't care if we somehow we get a DP player here and we're paying him five mil a year. If that if that fool is not doing his job and not doing whatever, and some kid that came out of nowhere is out here producing whatever, I want that kid playing. I want the person who's producing, who's out there fighting for the shirt, the crest on that shirt, to be on the field. And that's memo. I mean, I mean, unfortunately, you know, now with that, now with this time, I, I kind of see that memo isn't really the solution to replace Kyoto. I see memo more of a super sub now that I've seen him, you know, because I think he gets kind of, you know, for I mean, for his stature and his size, I think he gets pushed around too much, you know? Yep. Yeah, I mean, yep. don't, don't get me wrong. He has moments of, of flair and moments of excellence, you know, and stuff like that because he's such a dedicated player and he's he's going all out on that field. But, um, but yeah, but Kyoto, who has talent, who, who can be on this team, who could have been on this team helping his team garner, gain points and hopefully make a – slim playoff run or whatever wasn't was a distraction questions about why is he training separately what's going on with this what's going on with this blah blah, blah. you know that, that's that that kind of nonsense it, for a team that's already mentally weak that's gonna break the team you know yeah no completely agree with you and and you know we saw fractures of it last year in preseason and I think he was able to overcome it and, and get his head straight and, and kind of move on. Uh, but this year, he, he seemed like he's, he just wants to take a different approach. And unfortunately, the approach has been uh, less than helpful uh, in regards to the Dynamo standpoint, in regards to his own career. Um, I think he's derailed himself tremendously in, in his own career just by handling things the way he has. Uh, but I don't, I don't want to reflect on the negative. I, I kind of want to talk about what Jeff has, has brought up. Uh, in a more positive note, I'm loving Christian Ramirez on the Dynamo, refreshing addition to the squad. Um, you know, I, I, I second the notion. I will definitely third. Superman being on the Dynamo is the greatest thing uh, since uh, since Brian Mullen being on the Dynamo. Pulling that one out. Uh, it's a breath of fresh air. It is, and I, I think one of the things that I like about him is the fact that he's a physical. Like he's okay being physical. Um, you know, he he's stronger than Morrow. Um, from a physical physical standpoint, and I don't see him pushed around as much. 
Uh, a good example was at, towards the end of that LAFC match when he was able to hold possession with a defender on him, and it was him by himself, and he had a second defender coming at him, but he was able to basically earn a throw-in by holding, you know, keeping the players off the ball and creating a situation where their only option was to kind of tap the ball out of bound while he held serve. Um, and, and I think that type of forward harkens back to a Brian Ching, to a uh, Nate Jaqua, to a... Um, uh, Joseph Nguyen, yeah, Joseph Nguyen, yeah, uh, a Kai Kamara, uh, even you know, yeah, Kai Kamara, uh, uh, a a forward that's able to do that, you know, and and a forward that's able to kind of shift out wide, uh, maybe not necessarily play wide, but shift out wide, um, you know, he had a couple of services into the box, you know, passes across the in the box across the front of goal that were just amazing. Uh, passes that I frankly didn't expect him to make because it's not his position, but he did a great job yeah. with it. And, and so I think going into next year, so here's, I, before we dive too much into Christian Ramirez, here's my question for you, Mark, specifically. Do you okay. think we see Morrow on in orange in 2020? You know, so this, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the short answer and I'm going to give you a little bit of a detailed answer. Okay. Short answer. Unfortunately, I'm going to say no. Reason why is from the rumors that I've seen and I've heard around, you know, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a nice transfer. Okay, for Mauro. Now, I don't know if he goes in January. Now, I don't know if he goes in the summer because the thing about MLS players going in January is that they've been out of playing the soccer game for three, well for Mauro it'd be three months because his last game is October sixth. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now detailed, I want to say, I would, I would love to say yes, because I think that these last two games, you know, gives him more time to get used to each other. And to be honest, I think he has more fun playing alongside Ramirez than he ever has with Elisa Kyoto. You know, I think at least for as much praise as we give him, because he's fast and he does all this and, you know, he takes defenders on and, and you have to put two defenders on him to give, and that leaves Maldo, you know, more, uh, better chances of scoring goals. Sometimes at least has that, has that, you know, selfish nature where he wants to go for the spectacular and he just looks ridiculous sometimes, you know? And for Maldo, for me, honestly, I would love to see him back because I think him and Ramirez up top, and then depending on who you bring in the offseason, man, I think it's the start of something really great, to be honest. I, I, but no, go ahead. You weren't done yet. So. No, but, but yeah, but that transfer fee money, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard, it's gonna be hard for them to say no to it. I, and I'd be surprised if they say no to it. I mean, now, you know, I don't know if how much they're willing to offer in January for a player who's been out of the game for three months. <laughs> but who knows? I guess something that we're going to have to wait and see. No, I, I'm – yeah, I was just going to say I'm 100% in agreement with you. I think <coughs> Ramirez is the type of player that I wish we had picked up a lot earlier. Um, to be fair, you know, to be fair, I don't think we were going to have an opportunity until then to pick up uh, Ramirez uh, simply for the fact that LAFC had him in their long-term plans. Uh, until they had a situation where they needed to offload him because they had just they had a wealth of talent. Um, but think about but think about this, Sean. Before before you move on, like this kid 
came from LAFC who were dominating the, the league. He he went from LAFC, the top team in the league, to the Dynamo, <laughs> bottom team of the league, and has been nothing but great attitude since he's got here. He's he's a he's he's approached this like man. You know what? This is a new challenge. I want I want to take this team. On, I want to put this team on my back and bring him back to glory. He's I mean I know his goal his goal is to get back with the national team, and I hope he does it with the Dynamo. You know. Oh, absolutely. I hope that you know. I hope that he has he he wants to carry that load. You know because you know like you said with LAFC. They have an abundance of talent. I mean, they just signed a Uruguayan, uh, a kid from Uruguay who just started in the senior team, and he's what nineteen years old. Yep. Like, my God, it's just the rich getting richer, right? Yep. And 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 I guess, hey, great job for great job for Matt Jordan. You know, for I mean, we don't we don't give that guy enough props to go out there and hey, you know what? Hey, you got you're gonna get this kid. How about well, what do you want for Ramirez? You know? Yep. So you know, I I mean, I, I'm looking. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to him being with us, man. I and mean, I hope and I hope that everything goes well. Well, they have him under contract through 2021, uh, and then there's a. I think there's a team or player option after that as a, uh, to follow with. So, should have him for at least two more seasons. Um, I, I'm in agreement with you. I I hope Morrow stays because what we've seen through the last six to eight matches with Ramirez, uh, when they're partnered up, the quality of play is substantially better. Um, and I think it takes, I think that it takes some pressure off the defense to be able to know that. Well, to take it takes pressure off the defense because the ball stays in the opponent's third a lot longer. Um, I do feel like if we had a better attacking mid, if we had better midfielders, um, outside midfielders, and even an additional central midfielder to partner with uh, Vera, um, that that we could be a possession-oriented team because I do feel like Ramirez and Morrow create enough opportunities, certainly, but they're also good enough in possession to not turn it over every time. Um, I, I think where we start is where we see the turnovers a lot. Unfortunately, this is what leads to counterattacks is on the wings um, and yeah. attacking mid, trying to pass it to, to one of those two players. And, you know, when, when Tomas first got here, I was a huge fan of his and, and in terms of the hype um, and believed that he could become a better player. And what I've seen is he's become a, a more intelligent player. But on the flip side, his vision and his lack of quickness on the ball, and I don't mean like pace, but actual quickness on the ball, his decision-making is slow. Um I feel like that has led to has led to fewer chances for Morrow and, and Ramirez. And and that being the case, if we do sell Morrow on and we get a decent amount of money, I would be hopeful that we would look at a number 10 position um, and, and certainly still want to bring in a forward to replace Morrow to pair with Ramirez long term. But I think the bigger need really honestly right now is, is centered around the attacking mid position. And, and I wasn't that way three months ago uh, or even no. four months ago. You know, I, I was confident that Tomas was, was starting to make that turn. But whatever happened, he's just he's lost the evolution of improvement. And and I feel like he's just become this player that is so slow to make decisions that if he gets the ball in space, He's not beating a, a defender off. He's not beating a defender with his dribbling, with his technique, with his skill. You know, he's going to cut inside. 
He's not going to stay outside almost ever. You know, he he's going to he, he's going to cut inside and and hope that he can get the ball past his defender with a tricky move that rarely ever comes off. Uh, I agree with you, Jeff. I think that that's kind of that's kind of it too. Tomas lets physical players frustrate him and get under his skin way too easily. Uh, you know, and, and he's been scolded or scouted for this. I, you know, I, I agree. I think that, you know, in MLS, I think teams watch other teams to see how they play, other players to see their weak points. And I think other teams know, other players on other teams know, especially those central uh, defender or central, center defenders and then your center mids, that's D-mids that stay back. Uh, you know, they know that all they have to do is be a little physical with Tom Tomas and he's going to lose his, lose his cool and create a situation where he turns the ball over either out of frustration or, or you know, gives up a foul, uh, you know, in, in response. And uh, I just, you know, I, I don't want an attacking mid like that. I want a creative, fluid, quick attacking midfielder. And it doesn't have to be necessarily a star player. I'm okay with a young player that's a young attacking mid. Uh, but it needs to be somebody that has, you know, quality on the ball, um, you know, maybe not necessarily service. I don't need a guy that can serve the ball in the box, but I want a guy that can, you know, hit a through ball. I want a guy that can hit that pass. I want a guy that, you know, spends time learning the uh, tendencies of the forward so that he can make the right plays. And I want a guy with, with vision, but also has quick decision-making. Um, if I can get those six things in, a, in an attacking bid, then I'm paying about $5 million, uh, you know, just for the transfer fee alone, even at, you know, 20, 21 years of age. Uh, but I do think those players exist out there if the Dynamo are willing to spend the money. Um, and from no, what yeah, for sure. I was going to say, from what I understand, from what I've heard, the plan is they want to spend money, and that's one of the areas that they want to upgrade this offseason. See, and going back to what you were saying, you know, how your mindset three, four months ago was, you know, you were looking I – think, I think we can all say we were looking for a wing, not really a, a, a cam player, right, about three, four months ago. But, then, but now – I think the philosophy's changed because now, before under Wilmer, we were thinking four three three, and now you know we can see a four four two, a four five one. You know what? What, what we have we have different options now because those two forwards up there. You know we don't have to necessarily get another wing to because the whole thing this offseason was like, oh my God, what if Elise goes away? You know, what are we gonna do? What what's, what's gonna happen? You know, and and now to be honest, Sean. Man, I, I I'm hoping for at least to have two monster games so that way his value goes up and somebody <laughs> buys him, you know. Yeah. And if somebody buys him, and, and we can say, and you know, if somebody because I on it because I honestly think if 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 two offers came in, one for model and one for at least that lines the 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 load on having to sell model model, and you sell at least, and then with that money you reinvest and you find your ten. Yeah. You know. Agree. So agree. I'm, I mean. Can, and then that's his whole change of philosophy. But also, I mean, obviously, before we do all that, you know, you got to get the coach in, your manager, so that way you have a someone, you know, you get you can talk to about the philosophy of the way they want to play the the team or whatever. But aside from that, yeah, the perfect scenario would be, hey, somebody comes in and offers you the what the eight, I think what what it was eight mil that Celtic was offering for 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 at least last last uh, transfer window or whatever. Reported it was closer to six and a half, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't. You know the way at least has has fallen off the second half of seasons the last two years. Six and a half looks pretty good, especially when you only pay two and a half, two and a quarter for him. You know, 
I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm thinking crazily because I'm a little frustrated with the fact that, you know, that there's so much potential in him, but he seems to be like, he seems to have hit a ceiling, you know? And I feel that he's not progressing the way I, I feel that he should, you know, maybe, maybe it's the the lack of coaching, maybe, you know, cause I mean, you know, like I've heard that, you know, Wilmer was strong, was real strong handed with the Latin players, with the Hispanic players. And some people don't react well to that kind of coaching, you know, and maybe he's one of those players. Maybe he's, maybe he's getting flushed. Maybe he's not um, physically strong enough to deal with the fact that, Hey, he has national team responsibilities and, the responsibility of being one of the top two players in this uh, on the team, you know, maybe he's not that type of player, but for us, yeah, he's that type of player because, you know, obviously when he's on, he's on, he, he, he had, you can arguably debate that he might be the best winger in the league when he's playing on his game, when he's on his game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Calo is going to keep trying to get a bot working for, Showing the the stream. Appreciate you, Calo. Don't don't stop. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, Jeff says, man, shout, man, shout, shout out Calo, man. To be honest, that guy works, man. I I I, I haven't met him yet personally, but I mean, from the chats that we've been having offline, man, that guy works. No, he 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 works hard. Uh, Jeff says, uh, talking about Morrow real quick. His attitude is, uh, no, sorry, Christian. His attitude is very both positive with the squad. See his interaction with DMB on social media and with the fans. Uh, he even celebrated his first home goal with Dynamo versus his old team and still had the class to explain and apologize to Minnesota fan, uh, United fans. Uh, then he says Ramirez and Minotis. Uh, Ramirez is a big man, and Minotis is tricky and speed. Makes for a nice two-striker combo. If we lose Morrow, we need to replace with a like player. Uh, <clears throat> and then he says a little later, one thing we need for a midfielder is a leader, someone who can drive a game and manage the players around him. I, I, I want to talk about that for a second because we were just talking about Tomas. I feel like Ramirez is that type of player at forward. Now we need that type of player at midfield, whether it's a center mid, a D mid, whatever, someone who can be that type of player. Now via text message, Cisco made the wise crack that Guardardo is reported to be coming to MLS, but I want to squash those rumors because he's going to the Chicago fire. Yeah. Chicago Um, fire. But, um, I don't think he's the type of player that we need at that position. I really don't. Um, no, I, you know, I don't. I, I don't I, either. I, I think he's a higher quality, more refined version of Elise. Yeah, I really feel like that's kind of what he is, um, and, and I don't feel like that needs to be our focus. I don't feel like that's our issue. Um, I do want to point out something formationally and tactically that if we don't bring in, if we do sell Elise on, and we don't bring in another midfielder uh, to start you know, a start there and, and another midfielder to start in front of memo so that memo can be the super sub. What you have is you have an attack that basically goes through the center spine of the pitch and that's it. You don't have any width. Um, so you do need to some extent, you do need a, a midfielder or two that can provide that. Now I will say, cause Kyla will appreciate me shouting this out. Adam Lundqvist is able to bring that on the left side. And I do think from what I've seen from Bazama, the last couple of matches that he's played, he is capable of bringing that on the right side. And so I do feel like we only need maybe one midfielder, someone who can cut inside every once in a while uh, from an outside mid uh, to pull some of that pressure off the forwards every once in a while. But again, all of that is predicated on getting an attacking mid 
that is a substantial upgrade over over Tomas. And that's my hope. That's what I understand is the intent. But I need to see it. You know, intent is one thing. I need to see it played out through you know through to fruition. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, one of the, one of the things that, that if I've always felt, you know, from my time of playing, you know, of playing, you know, soccer or whatever and from watching soccer all over all, from all leagues and stuff like that, when you have a, a cam or a 10, a true 10, that guy is an extension of the manager. You know, if, you, if, if that guy, he's the voice, he's the leader, he tells you where to go. If you're messing up, hey, you need to go here or do this. He's always talking to people. He's always talking to his forwards or to his midfielders. I don't know if you noticed, but like I don't see the Dynamo players talk to, to each other that much, you know, which is a frustrating thing sometimes at times because I'm like, hey, you know, hey, if, you, if your guy's messing up, hold them accountable. You know, hey, why weren't you at why weren't you where you're supposed to be? You know, mm-hmm. or what are you doing? You know, like I, I don't see enough co- communication between the guys, you know, and and, you know, and like we said, and like you, you talked about a couple shows ago, whatever, or and what we brought up, you know, when when uh, Vicente Sanchez was here, that guy talked to everybody. He t- I don't, that 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 dude for the 15 minutes he was on the field as a super sub, that dude came. He he did what he had to do. He talked to everybody. He let everybody know what what what, what they're gonna do, and on it on and rolling. Yeah, there was no, you know, and you need that. I mean, you know, I understand that you have players that. Like you know, don't get me don't get me wrong. I love Boniac. You know, but for this whole season, for what he's done, he's drank from the fountain of youth. You know, whatever, great. But Boniac, for as much as he you know shows his leadership on the field and off the field with everything that he does, he's not vocal. No, you I know, agreed with you completely so, on that. Um, so, and, and... Tomas obviously isn't vocal. Uh, Matias. He's a new player, new. He's new. He's new here. You know, he he doesn't. Maybe may, maybe in the future he might be a little bit more vocal. But who knows? He, from from what I get from him, he doesn't seem like that that type. You know. Now the one I do see that's that's that that type is Struna. But Struna's a defender. He's a center back. You know, he's not up forward. You know, yeah, talking to the you know players and this and that. Now now he now you I think you found your leader for your back line, which was an issue a year ago. You know, but. Now we need that vocal leader in the midfield and for the attacking players, the vo- the vocal leader, not just the hey I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna show leadership by the way I play on the field. No, the guy who's willing to yell at the most expensive player on the field, like hey, get your act right, you know, yeah. do what you're supposed to do. You're getting paid big money, man, you know. You know, a lot of people give Zlatan crap for being vocal on the pitch like he is and and uh ex, you know demanding more out of the players around him but to be fair i think that's the type of player we need um somebody yeah. in midfield especially who's going to not allow and not accept players that aren't putting in a full hundred percent or more effort um you know jeff says communication and accountability these are the exact reasons why the championship your dynamo teams work so well and I think it, it yeah. also had a third thing, too, which was respect. Um, you know, you had players that other players that came in respected right out of the gate. They also respected Kinnear as a coach because of what he had accomplished as a coach. But they respected the players that were here because they, every player to a man was willing to give that 100% on the pitch. And I feel like we've lost that in particular. Um, and, and, and that is where I think I struggle with this team, and you know, this team especially is – seeing players that aren't giving it their full effort. And 
you know, it, it's like if I'm a player opposite that player on the pitch, you know, on the other side of the pitch or whatever, and I'm watching that player and I see them not, you know, really putting in the effort like a Tomas or, um, you know, a, at least. Uh, an Elise or, or even a Kyoto when he was on the pitch. Um, or, you know, if I see these players not giving their 100%, then me as a player on the other side of the pitch, I'm going to go, why should I give 100% for the whole season? Why should I put forth you know, that much energy and effort if they're not going to? You know, I don't I don't know if any any of y'all here on the Discord have watched that uh that documentary series on ESPN Plus about LAFC in their first season. Um, but uh Bradley challenged Vela when he first came in. He's like, Hey, I need you to be the messy of this team, you know? And and me, you know, for those who know me, I'm a I'm a huge messy fan, you know. I I love the way he plays and all that stuff. But you see Messi who arguably is the greatest player on the world today, right? That guy, if he loses the ball, he goes and runs and gets that ball back or tries to go get that ball back. Yeah. Now, if you're, if you're telling me that the greatest player playing right now can go play defense and somebody like at least prior, prior to Davey being appointed, because I think ever since Davey's been appointed, he's kind of emphasized on at least like, hey, you need to play some D. But there's no just one-way players in soccer. Yeah. If you lose the ball, guess what? You go from offensive to defensive. I don't care if you're the center forward or, or right wing, left wing. If you lose the ball, you become a defensive player right off the bat and you go get that ball back. How many times early in the season when the team was really high flying did we see the team force a turnover on the other team's end and then turn it into a goal uh, or at least a chance? Because whoever lost the ball high up the pitch was immediately turning around and playing defense and, and, and giving it full effort on defense. I, I do think exactly. I, I agree with you on that. I mean, like, you know, we've seen players that, that you know, Elise, I think, is a good example. I, I have a lot of respect for Elise because of his talent. But I think I've lost a lot of respect the last few months because I've watched the guy become a player that either it's due to, you know, discontent with the way that his – transfer process has been handled or discontent over coaching or discontent over the Kyoto situation, whatever it is, he's letting that affect him on the pitch. And his, his work rate high in the high early in the season was phenomenal. But now his work, you know, now, you know, at this point in the season, his work rate has become total crap. Like, you know, no. he, he can't beat a player off the dribble right now. And, you know, it, go okay. ahead. no, go ahead. No, see, and, and the, the the thing that I have a problem with at least, like, but like like you said, has has the potential to be a great player, you know, and and maybe and maybe there was discontent about the about the transfer, you know, because I mean, I look, I understand, everybody wants to go to Europe, everybody wants to go play in the best leagues in the world, right? Yeah, but the way there's one way to affect that, and that's poor play, and for all the for all these European teams that are hovering around you trying to get you to go over all that great tape that they have of you of like, Oh man, he's blazing fast. He can get, he can get you crosses. Guess what? They have tape of you the last two seasons lacking in quality, falling from grace, losing balls, not playing defense. They have those tapes too. So obviously if, if, if say for example, Hey, I don't know. Celtic come back again with an offer, right? Do you think? Do you honestly think they're going to offer the same six point five or seven mil 
for to the Dynamo for at least knowing knowing, hey, two seasons in a row. The first half he's great, but the second half not so much. Do we want to invest that kind of money on a player like that? Because I, I mean, yeah, I don't think their initial offer is going to be anywhere near that. I think the initial offer is no. going to be closer to four and a half, five mil now. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and and you know, I know sometimes, like I hear, I hear a lot on Glenn's show. You know, the the traveling around here. But guess what, man? You if you play in Europe and you're playing Europe leagues, depend. No matter if you're playing in England, Spain, Scotland, and you're 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 gonna play. There's there's a lot of games. A lot of games, you know. I mean, think about it for the Dynamo. This this year, I'm, I think they might have had what, maybe 40, 45 games all in all with League Cup and Champions League and Open Cup and regular season games, right? Roughly, yeah. Forty-five, right? Yeah. Forty-five. So, on average, a, a European team, you talking about fifty plus? Yeah. You know, easily. Easily, and that's not and that's not counting your national team duties that you have to go through, and that's a, and for him from being on a on a team on the west western hemisphere, coming from the eastern, if he can't handle it now, I mean, imagine when he has to when he goes to Europe, and teams know that teams take that into consideration. They have scouts that will knock your value down because they say, hey, this guy can barely handle national team duties. And, and club duties, and he's on the same side of the world. So, I don't know. That's why I'm hoping that you know he 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 goes he goes off and you know scores a hat trick against RSL and and scores a stunner against Galaxy, and then his value goes up for some reason, and you know somebody's willing to give us some money for him. Let's uh, let's end with two hat tricks by Elise, back to back. Hey, I'm, I'm I'm down. I'm, I'm down. down for that. Uh, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with uh, with your points on Elise, especially considering the uh, in overseas attention, international attention. The thing is, if you're going to get the international attention and you want that attention, then you have to stay. You have to live up to it. You can't. And you know, he's had that attention now for two years, and both seasons, like you said, he's he's tapered off at the end of the season, and that was something that was talked about early on in the in the season when the Dynamo were doing so well. Uh, you know, the the questions were. You know, can they hold this this form? And and I think the bigger question really should have been, can Elise hold this form? Because he's proven he can't. And you know, if I'm a if I'm a if I'm a team like Celtic or or uh, you know or or whatever the Russian team is that was looking at him uh, before the transfer deadline, no, that was Morrow. Uh, if I'm if I'm Celtic and I'm I'm looking at Elise, you know, I'm going. I'm not sure this is the right player, like you said, because. This player's shown that he's not going to put forth the effort. Now, I, I don't know off the top of my head who Celtic's coach is, but if they have a coach that's able to pull those type of players and get them to put in that full effort, if they've got players that they know captain-wise are able to turn those types of players around and, and get them to put that effort on the pitch and off the pitch, then I think that's a different story. Then maybe you do, but you try to get them on a lower fee. Um, yeah, of from, course. From a business standpoint. But – yeah, it, it definitely has hurt the Dynamo to have him around longer. And I, and I think, to some extent, having him around for the second half of the season after the transfer window, when we could have sold him on for six and a half, seven million, um, I, I think that I, I think I would have taken that. I, I didn't want to say that originally, but I think I would have taken that, in obviously in hindsight, but I would have taken that even at the time because 
Elise was not going to be the player coming back to lift this team into the playoffs. That was never his, you know, that's not something he does. It's not something he's ever done. He's the type of player that's going to give you those few matches where he's, you know, when he's fully rested, where he's going to play really well. Um, you know, and now, okay. So I see in discord chat and I want to, I want to talk about this cause I've talked about this before, but I want to highlight it again. Cause I think a lot of people don't know about this. Uh, Jeff said it. I think part of the issue with Elise is that he and Kyoto have come back from national team duty, either fatigued and or injured multiple times. Uh, and Mark, you said in response, but lots of players go to national team duties and come back fatigued. Now, there's one thing to keep in mind that Honduras does differently than every other national team, to my knowledge, and that is that they don't allow players a rest day or recovery day um, during international breaks. Um, Honduras, the Honduran national team, runs their players full practices every day between matches. And so you can't... Okay. Uh, that changes things a little bit, doesn't it, though? Like, that's why... Well, well Sean, let me... Go ahead. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. So, okay, so to counter to counter what you're talking about, you know, so at the at the end of the day, these 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 players are air quote, quote uh, owned by clubs, right? No. If, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yes, they are technically yeah. yes. So, yeah. so 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 for so for example, if if Argentina is is working Kuna Guerrero out and. Manchester City knows that hey, he's barely coming off a knee injury, or or, or he's played so and so many games. Hey, chill out a little bit. The club has a responsibility to that player to say to the national team, hey, you need to you, you need to back off of him, you know, a little bit, or you know what, or we're gonna have an issue here. Because technically, even though I know you know FIFA rules, you have to let the player go. This and that. This and you know, you know. That, I, I think I heard the news right now about Bayern Munich and Germany having this dispute right now. But as the as the Dynamo, I think that's where they need to speak up. Like, hey, my my players are coming back injured, fatigued, or whatever the deal is. I have no problem with them going out and playing Gold Cup, a friendlies, Nations League, whatever the case is, but. This is what's going on. This is what's happened. We have a regulation. We have, you know, this is what's going on. We need to fix this. This needs to be fixed because this player is our player. We pay his salary. You don't. So I think as a, I think there needs to be some kind of communication there, especially for a club like Houston Dynamo and the Honduras national team where we've had countless of Honduran national team players in this team, you know? This is Houston Catrachos for all for for God's sake, you know. <laughs> so, it's it's one of those things where like I understand what you're saying, you know, but I also got to counter that with, like, hey, if this if the national team coach or whoever you know is the federation is telling him hey, they got to go full out, full out, full out, no, that's the, the team has a say, the club team has a say, and hey, you need to rest them. Or he's not going for this, yeah. this, this, this. He's not going for this uh, break, and they have the right. I mean, yeah, they have to let him go, but he doesn't have to go for every, every tournament or every friendly or every. You know, the club has that right. So, you know, and I, and to be honest, I think, and I, and to and to be honest, I think that you know, 
in the in, in the at least case, the Dynamo are trying to be lenient with him because they know the type of potential he has. And and you know, Matt Jordan talks about you know bringing in young, uh, young uh, Central South American players and selling them off to bigger European clubs. And they want to do that with the least. They want to give him every opportunity to shine in the international stage. That's great, you know. But you also have to protect your investment. You know, there's 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 a thin line where you have to protect your investment. And if you know that the Honduran national team federation is telling the coaches or whatever, like, Hey, you got to practice these guys. And Honduras is hot as hell. You think Houston is hot. Mm -hmm. Honduras is hot as hell, you know? And, and, and those conditions down there are nowhere near the conditions here. The soccer fields down there are trash. The soccer fields in Central America or any, are, are they're, they're horrible. The conditions down there are horrible, you know? So there has to be some communication between club and, and, and country. I, I, I do agree with you um, on that note for sure. I think I struggle a little bit because I can understand why the Dynamo would be hesitant to do that. Number one, if the player decides they want to go on international duty, uh, or, or national team duty, and you turn around as a club and say, we're not going to let you go, that can create a situation of discontent. Now, that's that situation exists anyways, but that could create a larger or a quicker system, uh, option for discontent. Um, you know, players play for that opportunity to play for their national team. There's a lot of pride associated with that. And as the Dynamo, sure, their responsibility should be to the player and to making sure that their players are protected and their players are put in the best situation to succeed as possible. But at the same time, if they turn around, if the Honduran national team turns around and says, if you're not going to release the player, we're not going to play him again. Uh, Dynamo's hands are tied. They have to release that player at that point. So I think there's a little bit of a give and take there. You know, club versus country is a very interesting kind of relationship. Um, and you get into kind of interesting kind of waters, if you will, um, you know, untested waters, not maybe not even untested, but you get into interesting situations when you don't release a player for international duty. Um, and, and it's a, and it's a national team like Honduras that, that has in the past when a player has been held back, not chosen that player for two or three cycles uh, or two or three friendlies after, or two or three camps after that. Um, intentionally to kind of prove a point that, you know, the Honduran, you know, Federation wants to think themselves bigger than, uh, you know, even MLS clubs to some extent. Sure, they like the exposure for their players, but on the flip side of it, they also want to be as successful as they can be on the international stage. And they can't do that if teams are limiting their access to their players. And frankly, if I'm the Honduran Federation and... I've been told by a club that they're not going to release the player unless I meet these specific demands. I'm not going to meet those specific demands anyways because the club holds no power over that. Um, but see, I'm not talking. I'm not talking. But I'm not talking about that for all time. But I'm talking about like a specific, you know, time time frame. You know, because I mean, the, the Dynamo had they've had they've had they have history, right? We've had national team players from all over the world, right? You know, so we've we've never encountered. I mean, how, okay, you don't see. Uh, Darwin Saran come back from the Salvadorian national team fatigued and tired, you know, and, he, and he's and he's a starting 11 player for them. You don't see uh, uh, Kiki Struna 
who has to go over over overseas, I mean over across the pond, come back and, you know, fatigue and stuff like that. You know, you or prior players from national teams, you know. The thing is you don't demand that those kind of things all the time, obviously. But if there's a certain specific uh, situation where, like, hey, look, man, take it easy on him this time. Maybe, maybe, maybe sub him for, for for a game. You know, maybe don't play him a game. Maybe play him the second game, or maybe play him as a sub. You know, just I mean, you're making recommendations. Just communication. You know, you're not gonna obviously you're not gonna tell the federation, hey, I need you to do this, or the player doesn't go. You you, you don't do that, obviously, because you're because you're. You're you're harming the player more than you're than you're helping them out, right? Yeah, but who's to but, say who's to say that the Dynamo haven't done that? Just because we haven't heard about it doesn't mean the Dynamo haven't done that. They can make suggestions, well, yeah. but it falls to the Honduran. And look, they can make suggestions, and the uh, the Honduran Federation can say absolutely yes, we will do our best. We'll tell coach, and and he you know he's the one that ultimately makes that decision. And at the end of the day, it is coach that makes that decision. They can make recommendations based on club recommendations, but. At the end of the day, you know, realistically, the coach is the one who chooses who is in that ele- who's in that starting eleven, who's in the eighteen game day eighteen, uh, etc. And and I do believe that the Dynamo have said things to the Honduran Federation, and you know said, hey, ideally we would like this player to come back not as exhausted because they've said that they've done that in the past. I have to believe that they've done that. I just think that the Hon- yeah. like I said, I think the Honduran Federation also has one of those. Uh, you know, superiority con- uh, complexes where they don't give a rat's behind. And, you know, and, and I don't even think that is necessarily specific to the Honduran Federation. I think that just goes to their coach, uh, who unfortunately has a system in place where they're going to run the player ragged. And frankly, the coach for the Honduran national team is the one harming the entire national team. Um, you know, and the Federation not taking action against him is what creates this situation to begin with. Yeah. And I and I'll and I'll add this last note to to this conversation. But like, if you you take you take for example on, on a larger scale, the Mexican national team, right? You have players, they're 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 a list players, Chicharito, Vela, uh, uh, Guardado, whatever, that don't go and play the Gold Cup. They don't go play Copa America, because you know why? Because my my health is first. Because I know if I hurt myself in the national team, guess what? I don't play in Europe. I have I, I I'm already struggling to. They they know their situation. You know the same thing where at least he has power as a player. You know I know a lot of players think that you know hey once I make national team, you know I I get exposure to bigger clubs and this and that. I mean I I don't necessarily think that's true. I think I think once you get to a bigger club, national teams come crawling to you. You know, yeah. As 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 as, as like I think of Mauro, if my Ma, if Mauro were to if Mauro signed with Sporting or or Porto, whoever came after him, I I I can damn near guarantee January window he's 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 playing on the Colombian national team. He's 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 getting a call up, you know. Yeah. But but because because that 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 club association lays heavy, you know. Well, I I think. I'm going to bounce off that for just a second. I think there is something to say for club association and for, for level of the league, but I think there's also something to be said for form of player. If Morrow goes to sporting, let's say for instance, he gets signed by sporting uh, and he goes in his first, you know, first few months of the season are a total crapshoot, And he scores two goals across all competitions. He's probably not going to get the call up, but if he goes and he continues the same form he's had while here, 
then yeah, I think he does get a call up. And I think it is, it plays into effect that, you know, from a national team perspective in Colombia, he's playing against slightly tougher competition or better competition. Um, I still think there's a, there's a stigma around MLS that competition in MLS is not as good a quality as it could be elsewhere or as it is elsewhere. And you know, I, sure. I think it's unfortunate because players, especially your younger players, which, again, are our target demographic for uh, player signings, they are the ones who are affected by that stigma because they're the ones not getting national team call-ups because their their national team coaches and their national team technical staffs look at the player and look at the league and go, well, yeah, he's doing great, but that's because it's MLS. Or, yeah, he's doing great, but it's MLS you know, quality talent he's playing against. I don't think he would be that good against, you know, talent of other leagues, uh, you know, defenders or otherwise. And, you know, to be fair, I mean, we saw it with uh, just a few seasons, a couple of seasons ago with Sebastian Giovinco and um, uh, Antonio Conte uh, with the Italian national team. Not the the Italian? Was it Italy? Yeah. Yeah, Italian national team. Uh, and, and, you know, Siba was on an absolute tear through MLS and yet it was disregarded by the national team coach because he felt MLS was inferior. And well, you gotta take, you gotta, well, you gotta take a country by a country, right? So for example, you know, if say, say Elise got transferred to Celtic, right? There is no way in hell that the Honduran Federation is not going to get pressure from the supporters and fans in, in the country to bring in a player of that caliber because, you know, because he's playing for Celtic, he's playing in Europe for, 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 for gosh sakes, you know, this, yep. you know, this is Honduras. This is Honduras. This is not, you know, uh, Argentina. This is not Brazil. This, you know, this is Honduras. Yeah. Granted, they've made a couple of world cups the last couple of times around, but still, if a player is, is not, is coming back, fatigued, injured, or whatever, there has to be accountability from both player, club, and country. You know, I mean, as a player, if I if I was in his shoes, if I'm coming back injured from playing two friendlies with Honduras, and I can't play the next five games with my club team, when I possibly have European scouts at those club teams, you know, watching me play, then, then what's going, then how, how am I benefiting myself? I'm, how am I helping myself? Absolutely. Well, Let's uh, let's let's take a moment here, uh, put that discussion on hold. Uh, for sure, for sure. We are going to be joined by uh, a couple of guys who have decided to launch and start. Uh, okay, they're on air for a reason. Uh, a couple of guys who have uh, decided to start and launch a uh, supporters group known as the Surge, as I'm sure everybody has has heard about this new group. Um, yeah, I saw, I, saw, I saw something on Twitter. I think I saw something on Twitter about them. I, I've <laughs> seen quite a few things on Twitter about them. Uh, I guess they're not ready to join because they keep hopping out of on-air back to waiting room, which is pretty funny. Uh, well, well let, me say, let me say something about the search first before we get these guys on, you know, sure. man. I mean, I, th- I, think, I think it's great, and not just because I know these guys personally, but I think it's great that, you know, there's new blood flowing in there, you know. I think this the fact that you know that there's a new option for fans it's 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 great it's outstanding you know it's, it's it shows that even though we're 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 rock bottom right now that people still have hope out here people want to see the dynamo grow and do good you know and this in this group i think is a great 
attest to that, you know? Agreed 100%. So uh, let me introduce to our listeners who already know who Jeffrey Bonilla and Sergio Zelaya are. Uh, Jeffrey Bonilla and Sergio Zelaya. Uh, a couple of my friends as well. Uh, guys who I know have busted their butts to launch uh, the Surge Supporters Group. Uh, guys, welcome to the show. Hi. Hey. Can you hear us? <laughs> yeah, we can, we can hear you guys. You guys are coming through nice and clear. I like it. All right. Uh, uh, hey, hey, Sean. Hey, Mark. Hey, I, I love the new on? setup. Oh, oh, we got some love. I don't know if you heard that, Mark. We got love. I love it. <laughs> hey, it if you like it now, wait, wait, wait till we get the wait till we get the bull by the horns. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm, I've got transitions that I'm gonna work on. I've got some other stuff I'm gonna be working on. It's gonna be, it's gonna Fancy. be, it's nice. gonna be amazing. Uh, so guys, I, I, you know, I reached out to you guys wanting to bring you on, um, you know, a, it's an opportunity for you guys to kind of share who you are, what you're about. Uh, but I also just wanted to get you guys on, uh, to frankly, a, let everybody out there who may be watching later, uh, or even now know that we're always happy to have groups come on. We're always happy to have individuals come on, uh, and do interviews and things like that. And, and, uh, so if, People are interested in being part of that part of the show. Just let us know, uh, and we'll coordinate to get those types of things scheduled and and uh, things of that nature. Um, <laughs> thanks, Callow. Appreciate the emoji, bro. Uh, sorry. Uh, I hope that shows up in chat. It probably won't, which is the best part. Or uh, on the stream, it does. It does. Oh, does it? Oh, do they show up? It on the It shows up on the stream. Okay, cool. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, so that's why I'm like, okay. Uh, so real quick guys. So first question, I want you guys to tell me what's the surge. The surge is a, is a new supporters group coming in the 2020 MLSs. Uh, it started by Jeff and myself. It started off as a, as a joke really, uh, early on this season. And, uh, the more we joked about it, the more we became serious about it. And, uh, until, probably two months ago, we were like, you know what, let's just do it. So uh, what we want to do with the surge is we want to build a community, build a family that we don't really see now with the current supporters group. That's not saying that we don't think uh, what the current supporters groups are doing is good. And yeah, we do think it's good, but we just want to bring something different to to what to what people see in the in the stadium yeah i mean pretty much like like how he was saying i mean it's it's a community it's something that you know it we share a lot of, of things in common with a lot of the our members you know the main thing the love for soccer which is the main thing we really want to focus on you know bringing everybody together inside such a like rich rich culture city Mm -hmm. Um, and knowing that, you know, there's fans out there for every single team, but let's, how about we just join all those fans together in under one, one roof, technically. Yep. You so know what's when it comes to that kind of stuff. You know, the first thing that I got from these guys, they, you know, they didn't say a new group for fans. They said a new group for family, you know, and I think that's huge because, I want to take myself personally from this, like Sean, Sergio, and Jeffrey, I didn't know these guys two months ago. 
and now here I am co-hosting with Sean, Sergio, and Jeffrey. I, you know, I've hung out with a couple of times, you know, and these and these guys, I, you know, I feel like I've known them, you know, for a longer, long, long time. So to attest to that, I mean, you know, I can't wait to see what you do when more people start joining the surge, you know, and you know, you make them have that family welcoming, you know. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Uh, so, guys, what sets the surge apart from Texian Army or El Batallon? <laughs> yeah, that's the the question we get the most. I've seen it on Twitter, so I couldn't just ignore it. Yeah. I had to ask you guys, right? It's, it's been everywhere. Yeah, that's <laughs> the number one question. Well, I mean, you know, let, let's be real. If if people are asking that question, that means they want to know. So here's your oh, chance. Yeah, yeah. Tell them what they want to know. For sure. For sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Well. I want to preface it by saying that, yes, we're starting a new supporters group, but that doesn't mean we don't think EB and TA should still survive and, and exist and grow. We still want them to grow and succeed the same time we want to grow and succeed because the surge can't do it by ourselves and EB and TA can't do it, can't do it by themselves. So we need everybody to, to grow and we need everybody to, to be there and support. We, all groups need more members. So to answer the question, in the stadium, there is no difference. We're all one group. We, we are all the supporters alliance. We, for 90 plus minutes, we're going to stand, cheer, dance, sing, yell, scream, everything for the dynamo. What sets us apart is off the field. We want to do community events. We want to support the Dash. We want to host away uh, watch parties. And our members will have exclusive benefits that only Surge members will have. That's what's going to set us apart. That and along with being the family, like Mark mentioned. We want to be inclusive where everybody has a voice. That sounds great, man. Put the word right so, out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, no, so yeah, I have a question. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. So, you know, you're talking about um, the group, you know, and all stuff. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, been, I've been fortunate to have been part of a couple of support groups for other teams that I support. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to know, you know, like, well, hey, what do you what do you offer? What do you have to offer? You know, like, well, what's what, what, what does me joining the surge? How does that, you know, aside from the fact that I get to, you know, be with y'all standing and cheering and yelling, you know, like what, what, what benefits come with it? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, we, we've looked at other supporters groups, like the European ones that you mentioned. Uh, one of my favorites, and this is with no bias, but it's the, it's the Arsenal supporters. Oh, no bias. Oh, man. I can, that bias between the two of you is just dripping right now. I mean, look, do you and Mark need a separate room to go have your, you know, your Arsenal family-friendly time? Uh, that would be nice. <laughs> Sean. I'm sorry, man. It's, down, I, couldn't, down, I, couldn't, I couldn't ignore that. Go ahead, Sergio. Keep going. Well, Keep going. But I'm being honest with it. Yes, I'm an Arsenal fan, but I went to their uh, one of the recent games, and what they provide for their members is watch party. By the way, yeah, yeah, Not, yeah. yeah. I didn't go to London. <laughs> uh, yeah, watch party here in Houston. What they provide for their members is 
the most I've seen in any of the other uh, European teams that have uh, supporters groups here. So we want to do something like that. Uh, I mentioned earlier about benefits for our members. Um, more details will come out later in the future. But our members are going to have exclusive benefits to, to bars, to, to different sponsors that we have that the other groups can't compete with. And we're going to hold watch parties. We, we're going to have uh, merch that our members can buy. And if they buy a specific tier, then they will get that merch with the membership. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shoot, I, shoot, I, I, I want one of everything. So, you know, just let y'all know. All right, Mark, we'll Mark Segovia, <laughs> one of everything. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> Uh, so, guys, you, you've kind of already hinted at it, I think, a little bit, but I, I want to ask the question anyways. What are the plans for the Surge and the Surge's plans in particular for the 2020 season and, and even beyond? Um, well, like like Sergio said earlier, I mean, we really want to focus on getting our name out there and letting Houston know, you know, a supporter group cares. We, we want to be out there. We want to be known, like, community events dynamo dynamo charities you know any anything that has to do with the any, yeah any anything that has to do with the community work we really really want to uh emphasize that on next season um going to dynamo dash and like one thing that i haven't seen uh, for sure going to academy games because that's i feel like making that connection with the younger generation of uh the dynamo you know, really impacts how they feel mm-hmm. whenever they, you know, they see, oh, hey, these guys support the major team. It's pretty cool that they come down here to, what, like, watch, you know, the younger generation. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, what is the long-term goal or, I guess you could say, vision for the Surge? Mm-hmm. Our long-term goal is to see the surge, to see EB, to see TA, and whatever group that pops up in the future to be just a giant, successful uh, alliance that shows up game in, game out, 90-plus minute, yelling as loud as they can, and packing the whole north end. Um, outside of that, just building that community. Like I mentioned, we want to grow a a huge family of Dynamo fans that can, you know, become friends and do stuff outside of Dynamo games. It, it shouldn't just be go to Dynamo games. We want to hold different kind of events. For sure. And that's and one thing I know we, we've, we've been trying to do with that is also communicating with a lot of, of the, like he was saying, the community, the European supporters, mm-hmm. um, you know, probably planning some stuff with them. Um, that's one of my goals, at least. Uh, you know, not only supporting. Well, obviously the main the main focus is supporting the Dino, but you know, the more the more exposure you get, and you know, connecting with different people around the city and their their personal teams, you know, might lead to a connection with. Hey, you ever been to a Dino game? You should come sometime. Hey, mm-hmm. come on. And well, vice versa, we want to take the surge to exclusively only Arsenal games. Well, no, hey. <laughs> we want to support I'm all down for that. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Uh, so you've already mentioned it. I was going to ask you how you guys plan on recruiting, but you've already kind of 
hinted at that. Do you guys have a specific recruitment plan? How are you guys going about recruitment right now? Well, uh, we've been public for two weeks now. So our recruitment has been either uh, word of mouth or through Twitter, mostly. Have you guys gotten a lot of positive response? Oh, oh for, yeah, sure. for sure. Yes, yeah. yeah. People yeah. have reached out to us saying, hey, we think this is what people need. This is what the Dynamo need. Um, they, you know, we've heard a lot of great ideas and opinions from people. And we're, we're feeling really good about the surge right now because yeah. a lot of people have reached out to us. Yeah, and that's the main thing we really want to do, too. We really want people to have a voice within our supporters group. Mm-hmm. Um, we want them to feel as welcome as possible. And, you know, we want them to voice any concerns, give us any any tips on how we can be better, how can the section be better, and pretty much just make pretty much the fan experience, you know, the best it can be, the best we're going to offer um, to the city of Houston. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to I'm gonna real quickly read you a few questions out of the chat, uh, not to put you guys on the spot, but to put you guys on the spot. Uh, so uh, Jeff asks, not obviously not Bonilla, different Jeff, Will there be will there be supporter made beer? Uh, never thought about that <laughs> one. Uh, I don't know what it takes to, to make a beer, but we're open to ideas. <laughs> yeah, if you want to come out and, and teach us how to make beer, I guess we'll, we'll do it. We'll we'll start a brewery, the, the Surge Beer, I guess. Moonshine. That's uh, Moonshine. that's very ambitious of you. He also says he wonders if any. And this isn't necessarily directly at you guys, but it's a good question. I wonder if any of the supporters groups will include a percentage of merch sales and or dues to Dynamo Charities. Um, that's been on my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was probably going to start doing some of that um, here. Well, within the off season, um, I really want to do something like that, and it's it's really good to do something like that because you know it just gives you that connection and your name is out there. Hey, we're Supporting, you know, Brad Davis's uh, what was it, the veterans? Uh, Brad's brigade. Yeah, Brad's brigade. Yeah, there we Brad's go. Brigade. Brad's brigade. You know, stuff like that. It's just we're. I'm. I'm looking into it. I. I. We'll have to talk to Sergio about it. But yeah, <laughs> more than likely, we're we're trying to do something like that. I mean, that's a great idea. I never even thought about that. That's we should really uh definitely contact Dynamo Charities about that. So I have a question of. Yeah. Of all, you know, you said you have been public for two weeks, you know, and you've got a lot of positive feedback and stuff like that. Of all that positive feedback, how much of it has been like a serious inquiry? Like, what percentage do you think, you know, are people really serious about, you know, really signing up with the surge and being a part of this family that you that you're trying to make? Well, we've had we've had a lot of people come to us asking for more more information. Um, so whenever we went public on our uh, member planet, we uh, had this. You can sign up for more information. Mm-hmm. And me personally, I've been reaching out to anybody that's signed up for more information. I've personally talked to them, um, saying, "Hey, what what can we do better? What mm-hmm. what what are you looking for in a supporters group? What um, you know, just pretty much anything to make them feel as welcome as possible. Because that, like I said, that's my focus. I want people to know that somebody cares and that somebody's there to listen." Yeah, Jeff's been doing a really good job of going uh, person to person and asking about their opinion. It's one thing to put a post on Twitter and ask a question. It's, an, it's yeah. another thing to go 
man to man, person to person. What do you think? And then we always get great responses back, great ideas. Like what Cooligan said earlier about the merch sales going to Dynamo Charities. I never thought of that. That, That's a great idea. And we need more of that. Uh, I think that's that's great that 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 y'all allowing the people to have feedback and y'all bounce back ideas with these potential uh, members of the surge, you know. That's great that you're so open-minded about stuff like that because I I know that certain uh, supporter groups have have their ways and that's it. And there's no really, you know, communication between, uh, let's say, just somebody who just signed up because they want to be a part of the group that supports their favorite team, you know, as a and I, I think that's great that you're able to bounce ideas off people, especially people right now that haven't officially signed up yet. Yeah, of course. This The surge isn't mine and Jeff's group. This is a group for the people. This is a group to build a family, and everybody in the family has a word. They have a voice. We're not going to just do things because we want to do it. We want to do things that our members want to do. Uh, so a really good question. Uh, Kahlo asked, what is your mission statement? Well, if you go to memberplanet.com <laughs> slash the surge, you will see that. But uh, just to keep it short, the, the, mem- the mission statement is that the surge is a supporters group for our members for the people that will cheer, stand, scream all 90 plus minutes in game and then be an active member outside of the game, whether that means coming to watch parties, whether that means helping with TIFOs, whether that means coming up with ideas for chance or for for anything, really, for community events, for dash, come out to dash games as a member of the surge. We. This is really for the members. This is really for the Dynamo fans. And yeah, that's about it. <laughs> so my, my question now is, um, what's, 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 your, what's your realistic um, goal? Like what's, what's, what would you call a positive amount of members by the time the next season comes by? I mean, with what would what would you what would you consider success? What would you consider success? Twenty people, you know, thirty. You know, what would you consider a successful recruitment for a brand new supporters group? You know, mm-hmm. especially you know coming out and getting our name out there. I mean, I would consider maybe fifty members a success. That's what that's 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 pretty. I'm actually aiming pretty high on that. But, I mean, with how much interest I've seen and how many people we've talked to and taking, you know, uh, advice from and, you know, getting their feedback on what their experience with the supporter groups have been, I feel like we've, um, we, uh, I'm, I'm going to, we're going to aim for like 50, but obviously we want to see a lot more. Yeah, and I think we can get a lot more because just on interest alone, we've had over 50 people co- contact us saying that they're interested. Now it's our job to to make those people that are interested into members. And, you know, we're going to try our hardest in the offseason to convince people to do that. So Jeff asked a really good question as well. Uh, He asked, and I'm going to give his original question, then I'm going to explain it so that you guys aren't lost. But he asked, will there be multilingual inclusivity? 
And he said in the past, some fans were confused thinking that EB was Spanish speaking only and TA were English speaking only. Of course. Um, we're, we're, we're open to everybody. Mm -hmm. We're not really going to be anything like that. Um, obviously I'm bilingual. I speak both Spanish and English, but you know, we really want to exemplify the city of Houston within our group. We yeah. want them, we want everybody to feel just like how people think of when they think about Houston. Yeah. It's pretty much a hodgepodge of nothing but different cultures, different languages all over the, all over the city. And that's pretty much our focus. We, we're not, we're not going to be biased to anything. We're open to everybody. Yeah. Houston is one of the most diverse cities in the country. And to not have a supporters group that represents that is doing a disservice to the Dynamo. Well said. Do you have anything else, Mark? I got a couple more questions. If you don't, um, no, I, at this moment, no, I don't have any more questions. But to be honest, you know, from everything that I'm hearing about, you know, it's, it sounds great, you know. And I mean, when I saw y'all pop up on my Twitter feed the first time around, I was, you know, it's like, wow, like, who, who what's, what's this, you know, mm -hmm. you know, because. I like I've, I've I've spoken to Sean in private, you know, like I've always been interested of doing a supporter group myself. It's just, you know, sometimes it's 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 a lot of hard work. And, I, and I'm glad that 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 y'all two are willing to take that burden, you know, and I guess kind of put the put that responsibility on y'all backs and, you know, and, and and go through that hard work and try to make this happen for 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 the Dynamo and for the fans in general, because, I mean, I think the fans here, it's a win win situation because now you got Now you got a third option. You know, instead of thinking like, you know, and to be honest, like what what, uh, what Jeff was saying earlier, you know, yeah, I, I thought El Batillon was Spanish and Texanian Armour was English, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I, I used to have that mindset back in the days, too, when it first started. A lot of people think that. Uh, so we've had a really good question come in from Darby. Uh, do you feel like individuals need to choose one group or another, uh, one group over another or... Uh, are there any exclusivity expectations for the surge? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, no, if a person wants to sit in the supporter section, they don't have to be in a supporters group. Uh, the Dynamo have done a, a, a really good thing uh, by starting the supporters alliance, where you pay thirty-five dollars to be part of the supporters alliance. That doesn't mean you are you have to pick a group. So if you just want to sit. If you want to stand and cheer with everybody in the sports section, you can do that. I, I think what she's more or less asking is, could someone be a Surge member and also be a El Batallon member or a Texan Army member? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I have no problem with that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, guys, you, you've mentioned membership. How does it work? So we have – if you want to – See our memberships. Uh, you go to memberplanet.com slash the surge. Right now we have five tiers, five different tiers. Uh, the cheapest one starting at $10, which gives you the membership card. Uh, the membership card will give you exclusive benefits to our sponsors. And the most expensive one is called the surge family uh, tier, which was which is $80. That one gives you two full memberships, which gives you the membership card, the surge shirt, scarf, and hat, plus unlimited kids' memberships or uh, student memberships. 
Uh, very cool. So you said that they can, if anybody's interested, they can go to memberplanet.com slash uh, the surge and, and sign up as a member there. Yes. Cool. And what if they're just interested in information? If you go to that uh, website and at the bottom, you can sign up for our mailing list form and you will get emails from us that uh, updates and news that even those our members will get before Twitter gets. Very cool. Uh, so last question that I have for you guys, uh, and this is really open-ended intended to give you guys a platform to speak, but uh, anything else you guys want to share with our listeners uh, who might be interested or just in general with our listeners? Sure. Uh, if you look around the stadium now and you're not happy with the atmosphere, then I, I would say, you know, instead of complaining about it, do something about it. We, as the surge, are giving people a platform to do something about it. We're not happy with what we see as far as atmosphere and safety. And that I want to give credit to EB and PA for what they do game in and game out. EB's playing their drums and, and horns all 90 minutes, but it can be better. And that's what our goal is. We, we want the supporters section to, to be full with people yelling and screaming and dancing because I believe personally that the supporter section is by far the most important thing well, behind the on-field play of what gives the stadium atmosphere. If people sitting in the stadium see the supporters groups going crazy, then they're going to go crazy themselves. I think that's, um, I think that's fair. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, so, I mean, I just want everybody to know, I mean, there's, we, I want them to feel like, you know, they have a home within our group. Mm -hmm. We're welcoming to anybody and anybody. It's, I just, I just want to see everything succeed. I want the supporters group to be full. I want that passion that was there when, in the Robertson days where everything was packed, you know, the, like the stadium was electric and it's just one of those things that you want to really like look back to and say, damn, like I really want to be a change and I really want to bring that back. And, you know, it's just one of those things that it's, it's just me for well, my passion for the dynamo. Mm -hmm. I think that I see a lot of that with a lot of the people we've talked to, but you know, it's just, just want everybody to make sure they know that we're a very welcoming supporters group. And I, I don't think anything is ever going to change that. I welcome everybody and anybody. Yep, absolutely. So if somebody listening is interested, go to memberplanet.com slash the surge. You'll see more information there. And if you want to sign up, just click on join group, create a member planet account, and then you will see our different tiers. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Thank you thanks, guys. Yep, yep. Yeah. You you uh, and Mark are doing a great job with uh, Gen Orange. I love the new look. We could finally see Discord on the on the screen. It's <laughs> a great plus. Uh, hey, I'm, um, I'm a big fan, Sean. Thank you. Hey, Thank you hey before y'all leave, before y'all leave, uh, Jeffrey, um, 2-0 on Monday, bro. <laughs> uh, that's great.
I don't think he knows what you're talking about. That's the best part. <laughs> or from United, right? Or if he's, yeah, or if he, if he does, he's refusing to respond. <laughs> uh, hey, we'll Mark, see. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Sergio. Mark, it's our mission by the end of the season to convert Sean into an Arsenal fan. Oh God! Oh. oh. By the end of I this think it season. Can yeah, I think it can happen. I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know. God, Godspeed to you, the sir. Fourth yeah. I, I have little hope, Mark. All right, that's all I gotta say. All right. <laughs> I have little hope. Oh man, it's all good, man. It's all love. All right, guys. Yeah. Well, we do appreciate having you on, but it is nine o'clock, so I'm kicking you off. That's fine. Thank you for having me. All right, man. You're welcome. Thanks, Bye, guys. guys. Bye. Uh, so, Mark, thoughts on the surge before we kind of close down the show for the evening? No, like I said before, I mean, I think it's great. It's a win-win situation for the fans. I mean, to have a, another option, you know, and it, from from all everything that I've seen on Twitter and every and everything I've heard, I mean, it, it seems like a great like a great thing, man. And I'm and I'm happy I'm happy for those guys, you know. So let's hope let's hope it go it goes well. Uh, agreed with you. It's. I think it's good to have more options available um, from a supporters group standpoint. I think their approach and, and, you know, I've had a chance to sit down and talk with them obviously off the air and, and learn a lot about the surge in general. And, and, you know, I think their approach is kind of what's needed right now, which is a, 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 like they said, it's a group focused on, uh, you know, focused on specific things, you know, being a family and, and uh, also on supporting in the stadium as strongly as they can. And, um, I think those two things will go a long way for them, and uh, I w- excuse me. I wish them the best and, and hope that they uh, are successful. I hope they get that 50 member mark. That would be awesome in their first season, um, and I think it would uh, it would definitely show that they're a group that's uh, a force to be reckoned with, if you will, um, and, a, and a group that's not to be ignored. Uh, but with that, Mark, hey man, good good first official show. Definitely appreciate you. Uh, definitely appreciate you putting the time and effort in to uh, join me, uh, and, and join Gen Orange uh, as a permanent host now. Uh, guys, we will be back next week on Wednesday night uh, at 7 p.m. Central, uh, and uh, I'm angling to try to get uh, Samuel Purcell on with us uh, from Texian Army to talk basically the same kind of stuff we just talked about with uh, the surge. I want to give uh, TA an opportunity to share about their uh, their group and, and membership opportunities and kind of how that whole stuff works. And and uh, my hope and my goal is to uh, um, uh, my goal is to get uh, EB on as well. Um, somebody from EB, hopefully Manny uh, on to talk the same things. And then lastly, I hope to get uh, as as Brian has alluded in chat, I hope to get um uh, hope to get Brian and Darby on to talk about their group that they're they're in, they're working on launching and have launched uh, uh, on Twitter and and just talk about what they're doing and what their what their thought is and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but you know, guys, it really helps to have you guys engaged in chat. I'm glad we were able to kind of figure out how to get chat visible in the stream. Uh, it's definitely awesome, and I think Discord chat just is a little smoother and flows a little better uh, for this purpose. Uh, but really, guys. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for those of you that have subscribed. If you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe to the channel. Like the stream. Share the stream. Uh, we'll be posting more content as we're able to do so um, throughout the throughout the weeks uh, to come. Uh, we are going to do live shows every week. That's the goal. Um, and 
you know, guys, we are going to do as much as we can to make this a really top-notch uh, show. Uh, and lastly, guys, if you would do us a favor, um, I know I mentioned subscribing to the channel, but there's a reason I'm mentioning subscribing to the channel. Once we hit 100 subscribers to the channel, uh, we can then apply uh, or request a custom URL. Um, we did the same thing with the Down in the Valley back when we first launched Gen Orange on Down in the Valley way back in the day. Uh, and so I'd like to do the same thing with Generation Orange and have our own official true Generation Orange YouTube channel. Um, that's just simply youtube.com slash Gen Orange. Uh, and let that be it, or Gen Orange Radio if, it, if need be, whatever. Uh, but something short, sweet, and simple that people can go to to uh, pull up the show. Uh, for, again, those of you that have tuned in, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks for being active and engaged in chat. And uh, we'll see you next week on Wednesday. Bye, guys. I just need time to clear, clear my head. Fires up, embers burn, can't pretend. Yeah. I've been thinking about things that we said.